Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council. I'm here today with Chris Schobloom, who is our vice president for research and our staff economist. And today we're going to be talking about the new transportation package. We have not had a transportation package in Washington State for 10 years. And we have some very significant needs in the state, both in terms of uh, reducing traffic congestion with new projects, new designs and widenings and changes to certain corridors, as well as a growing and very serious problem with maintenance, which... uh, Uh, The Washington Roundtable tells us by 2026, if we don't do anything uh, between now and then, we're looking at 60% of our roads being in poor or very poor condition, which will cost a fortune, a massive fortune to fix at that point. So we're in pretty, uh, this word is overused in politics, but I would say that it would be legitimate to say that we have a transportation crisis in this state. And so... A bipartisan group of senators has stepped forward uh, with a bill that uh, or a package that has elements of maintenance and preservation, elements of of new projects, some money to uh, to the cities, and uh, some streamlined permitting, among other features. But let's get into the details. Chris, what's going on here? Well, we have the beginnings of an agreement. We've had the committee of Republicans and Democrats from the Transportation Committee that have been working on this for a long time. Um, They've finally gotten to the point where they thought that the process needed to be more out in the open. Ultimately, uh, an agreement on a a bill uh, passing the Senate requires a majority of all of the legislators, not just all the senators, not just those who, small number, who'd been on this committee. So, Going forward, they want further discussions to be out in public. Um, The bill that they're looking at, the transportation plan, calculates over a 16-year horizon. We're kind of running out. The numbers that are thrown out are are generally totals through the year 2031. Um, The plan calls for um, a series of revenue enhancements. Uh, The big headline one is an increase in the gasoline tax which would, uh, uh, and the proposal would raise the tax by five cents at the beginning of the upcoming fiscal year. Um, And that starts when? July 1. Okay. And then the following July 1, there would be a further 4.2 cent increase. And then the the July 1 after that, a 2.5 cent increase. Uh, That's projected to raise about $5.6 billion through the year 2031. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right there. So uh, you're saying, and I don't question it at all, it's going to raise $5.6 billion, but the press says it's a $15 billion package. So how do we get to that number? So let me kind of go down. There are some other revenue enhancements in there. The second biggest revenue enhancement is uh, is uh, $1.9 billion, which comes from increases in passenger vehicle weight fees that are collected um, when you annually renew your registration. 
Smaller amounts will come from light truck weight fees. Uh, I'm going to stop you again. $1.9 billion. Yes. Pretty soon it's real money, they it's say, when, when you start stacking money. it. Yeah. So, so are these, is this a significant increase? Do, do you have any idea in terms of these weight fees? Is this going to be a lot of money for uh, the average citizen out there? It will be, you know, you'll be paying um, roughly about, uh, the amount that you're paying in weight fees will be about, uh, additional weight fees is about a third the amount that you'll be pay, paying in additional gas fees. Okay. Gas taxes, that's the, the easy way to think about that. It also includes $1.3 billion in fee revenue, which was actually in, in a bill that was passed, in two bills that was passed in 2012. So that's, that's still there. And, and then there are a number of, of lesser things. I, I think one of the ones that gets a, a lot of press is that they want to have some sales tax collected on construction projects, uh, which currently goes to the general fund, have that uh, re dedicated towards transportation. Um, that would only start in 2019. It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go, come in in the near term. But no. that's, a, that's a, almost a billion dollars from there. Um, there are a list of number of other smaller revenue forces, but it actually the, the new revenue enhancements are only $11.4 billion. Uh, to get to the $15 billion, you have to include three point seven billion dollars that they're going to borrow that's where i was leading so yes. so it's not as much as i thought so uh but but it is almost four billion dollars that would be bonded then yes this time frame is out to 2031 uh the interest expenses included in the expenditures is uh 2.5 billion dollars 2.5 billion so that's so that's not even double that's not as bad as i've heard a lot of times i hear these bonds end up costing the taxpayer three to one I, remember i said through the year 2031 oh, we will continue these things are probably not going to be 15 year bonds uh-huh. they'll be 30 or 40 year bonds and so we'll be paying interest well beyond the the time horizon that i was uh, speaking of so the roundtable study uh, called for that the Boston uh, Consulting Group did called for 11.5 cent gas tax increase and had uh, several key projects to reduce congestion that were listed. So we're talking without getting into the specifics of each project. We're talking about a fairly good chunk of money that's going to new projects. Is that correct? Yes. Um, if you look at the project list, there are 56 separate projects that are on the project list. Can you give us a couple of highlights on that and list? A, a handful of them are very large, and then many of them are much, are much smaller. In the Seattle area, the list includes um, completion of the, um, the 520 bridge project, uh, floating bridge. It includes uh, widening I-405 from Renton to Linwood. It includes uh, the SR-167, SR-509 Puget Sound Gateway Project, which is you know, serving the ports. In eastern Washington, it completes the, this uh, Spokane project, the North-South Freeway, uh, which has been very big back there. And then, there, as I said, there are a number of of smaller projects that are that uh, that come along there. Uh, the roundtable study said we needed about three point four billion dollars to do the serious maintenance work that keeps our roads in at least fair condition 
as a grade for how good they are. So we're getting how much in this project then in terms so, of... Uh, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how, how all of this will map on to, to the, the, the way that the roundtable had, uh, had classified things. The list itself that's published shows $100 million for maintenance, but another $1.2 billion for highway preservation. Which may well be included in the kind of in what the roundtable was counting as maintenance, it's, and certainly some of our uh, some of the these new projects that were that are in there may also actually be picking up elements that that were being classed as maintenance. Yeah, and it sounds to me like that's the case because they were describing maintenance as anything that could be done to prevent reconstruction. So yes. if they're saying preservation. That's what preservation is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What, a lot of what preservation yes. is. Okay. So what else do we get for this 11.7 cent a gallon tax increase? Well, there's a, a bit of money going to ferries. Some backfill for the uh, for money that had been taken from the operating account, and then also one new ferry. For those who travel uh, by train and find themselves um, occasionally inconvenienced because uh, trains can't operate because of landslides, there's a bit of money for rail slope improvements. There is um, there's a little bit of money for uh, bicycles and pedestrians. There's um, some money that goes into uh, stormwater retrofits. There will be some money for culverts there, which is a very important issue. Mm-hmm. Aside from the, um, the actual money that's being spent through the transportation plan, there will be some there'll be authorization for local option taxes. Mm-hmm. The big one here is, the, is for sound transit. Uh, where Sound Transit will be allowed a menu of, of, lo- of additional lo- local option taxes, including a half-cent sales tax, bump to the sales tax, uh, 0.3% bump in the local option motor vehicle excise tax, the MVET. It's currently at 0.3, and they could raise it to 0.6. And also something new in the menu for Sound Transit, the opportunity to, to impose a small property tax. 10 cents per thousand dollars. I don't believe that Sound Transit would fully exercise all of those. This just is a menu from which to choose for the next uh, Sound Transit. They would be authorized to see. Authorized, yes. And then there would be some additional funding possibilities for um, community transit also. Okay. So I want to, we we don't have too much more time today, but I want to make sure we cover this. So uh, the objection that a lot of Republicans have had to spending money on transportation is their feeling that the Department of Transportation and the way that we build uh, highways and bridges needs to be reformed. So is that addressed in any way in this bill? I read some reports about permitting, streamlined permitting. Yes, there's several elements out there. There's a bill that's, that's part of this package that deals with uh, changes in, uh, in environmental permitting. Uh, we haven't been able to go through that very carefully yet, and yeah, hard to say exactly whether it hits everything that should be hit there and, and such. There is a, uh, there's a bill that deals with two aspects of, uh, of labor costs. That bill would decrease requirements for apprenticeships on the, as part of the uh, uh, construction programs. And also, it would narrow the scope of work uh, that would be covered by prevailing wage requirements. Essentially, as I, as I 
skim through it, it appears that what they're trying to do is limit the uh, prevailing wage requirement to work that's actually done at the work site itself. That if you, where you have elements that are being manufactured elsewhere and then brought to the work site, at least some of those though, would no longer be um, under the prevailing wages. The other policy change, big policy change there, is one that uh, I mentioned earlier, that it's going to redirect sales taxes on transportation construction to transportation from the general fund starting in 2019. That's scheduled to come in after we've met the McCleary mandates. So I think it'll be particularly interesting to see uh, the details and to evaluate them in terms of what they're doing to reform permitting and see if that has some real cost benefit or not. And then secondly, from a political point of view, a political lens, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to these uh, prevailing wage provisions. Yes, Yes. All right. Well, we're just beginning to cover this, and we don't know what what twists and turns it might take, but it is definitely newsworthy and worth scrutiny and analysis that for the first time in 10 years, we have a new bipartisan transportation package. So thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Very good. This is Lou Moore with the Washington Research Council, along with Chris Showbloom. Thank you for joining us today. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.